me. He said, remember as a young person, as you enter adulthood, this is a time when you begin to transition from reliance on your parents to a reliance on God. As you begin to seek his face for where you are to go, what you are to do, and who you are to marry. God gave Adam Eve for companionship. The Bible says in Proverbs 18, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and finds favor of the Lord. He did not say, Eve, let her finish college before the two of you begin a family. The highest calling on a couple's life is to start a family and raise godly children. Do not wait to marry. Whatever you do in life, do it together as a couple, as a family. God gave you a wife as a help meet, and God knows men need them. Thank you. Children are not a complication or hindrance. They're a complement. They complete you. At the end of your life, the only thing of importance will be your children, your grandchildren, and your great-grandchildren, and that's all you're taking to heaven with you. Now, in today's society, and I, I know where God is going with this, in, in our society today, the world has the idea that a, pers- a young person has to go out and get established in life. There's nothing anywhere in your Bible to validate that. God's highest for you is to have children. God created a male and a female to have family and to give him children. The rest of it is completely secondary. A wife is a gift from God. Now, what I'm going to say now, I want you to just kind of think about it a moment. You wouldn't have a problem with testosterone if you'd get married when it begins raging. Why go to college for four years and try to live for God when your hormones are racing? Thank y'all for y'all's enthusiasm. Isn't it funny how the world has told us the exact opposite of what God said? God is able to give you a wife, children, and a career and still pay the bills. It has never been one or the other. Well, we just want our child to get their career. Who told you that? What happened to motherhood in America? Greatest call, the greatest call in your life is to have children. The greatest gift to God is to give him a family. That's why you're here. That's why. You're on the planet. You will not take your house. You will not take your car. And you will not take your checkbook with you when you die. But you will take your children and your grandchildren. So have a lot. I'm not going to get into Lisa's time, but I don't know where he's... um, Two people supposed to make two kids. Look at a Muslim. Two people make... 18 kids. I'm not saying be that crazy, but you know, you can't replenish the earth if there's only two of y'all. All you did was replace you. Thank y'all. Anyway, anyway. Are y'all ready for the guest speaker today? Lisa Morgan, woman, wife, and mother. Amen. Praise the Lord. Happy Mother's Day. You know, I, I want to... I love to be inclusive. I know that this is a day that carries and could carry mixed emotions for all of you. Maybe someone in here did not have a good mother, don't know their mother. Everyone had a mother. That's what we all have in common. But maybe she wasn't a good example of a mother. Maybe she was. But I speak to all of you. I speak Jesus to all of you. God has some good things in store this morning. Amen? Amen. And so this morning, whether you had a good mother or you didn't have a good mother, 
Whether you as a mother don't feel like you've lived up to being a good mother or the Proverbs 31 woman who is the fearsome person to behold, actually. (laughs) But I will say this to you. God loves you. He loves you so much that he gave his son, every one of you. And he wants to love you on that side of himself. Yes, God has a mother's side. I know you guys didn't want to hear that. He is a father. He is referred to as masculine. But he also refers to himself in the mother sense. And today we're going to visit that. And whether you had a good mother or a bad mother, or you think you're a good mother or a bad mother, here's the thing. God says, and he wants to show you how he thinks about you. And if you know how he thinks about you and how much he loves you, no matter whether your expectations of a mother has or hasn't been dashed, no matter, you don't try to get up a good feeling about your mother if she wasn't good. Amen. Forgive her. Amen. She was in a fallen world and in a fallen state. She did the best she knew how, which may have fallen way short of the scale. But God is saying to you today, I want to be a mother to you. I know that sounds weird, but I'm going to show you what that means. I want to be that replacement if need be. And then if you're a mother or a grandmother, I'm going to show you how to be what you need to be because I'm living strong in you. Let's go to Genesis 1, verse 27 and verse 28. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. There's only two. There's only two types on the earth. There's the male gender and the female gender. God put in the male the organs he wanted in them. He put in the female, the organs he wanted in her. He created them only two ways, male and female. And when they come together, they come together as God. Because God is both. I know you want to see him as a man, but he's not a man. He carries both qualities. And that's why he didn't just make Adam. That's why Eve came out of Adam. He says, when when I split them and they come back together, they'll be a whole like me. Amen. So then it says, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, God blessed them. Who? Two men, two women? No. He blessed man and woman. He blessed them and said to them, You be fruitful. You increase in number. You fill the earth. You subdue it. You. Male and female, man and woman, you rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. You have dominion, male and female. Two males are not blessed. Two two females are not blessed. He said he blessed them. That was God's plan. He's the one that came up with it. And we need to love what God loves. And we need to hate what God hates. Because he is the originator and he is the creator of it. Satan creates nothing. He only imitates and perverts. That's all he has the ability to do. God is the maker. God is the creator. He only creates and makes things that are good. Satan comes in and imitates and perverts. And that's what you need to remember. And you need to stand strong in that. When someone comes to you, you say, male and female, he created them. And he blessed them and told them, and only them, to be fruitful. Amen? Amen. All right, so let's go to Psalm 139. Psalm 139. We're going to talk about you today. Psalm 139. Uh, Megs, I'm going to start in the NKJV, okay? And I'm going to start with verse 13. For you, Lord, have formed my inward parts... You covered me in my mother's womb. Where? In my mother's mother's womb. You chose to put me in my mother's womb. Let me just say this. I know I'm getting ahead of myself, but that's okay. It's my notes. Amen. Amen. God had to borrow a womb to send salvation into the world. 
He chose no other method. He borrowed the womb of a woman. In a society and a culture today where we laud and we revere sex, God didn't use sex to bring his son into the world. He came upon, as the Holy Ghost came upon and overshadowed her and said, I'm going to do this without a man. I'm going to do this, but I'm going to use the womb of a woman. And so God used a womb of a woman to bring salvation to you and I. Amen? Amen. And so you and I, no person on this earth has entered this earth apart from coming through the womb of a woman. Two men cannot make a baby. Two women cannot make a baby. Amen? Every one of you that were born, unless you're an animal, came through the womb of a woman. And she was a mother, whether she acted like a mother or not. God elevates and he praises motherhood. Amen. Amen? So then he says in verse 13, you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. My frame or my bones were not hidden from you. When I was made in secret, I was skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, right then, when people can't even see the substance, when it's unformed, right then there's life. Because in my book, it says, they all were written the days that were fashioned for me. While as yet, there was none of them. There is life. I'm going to say before conception because it was in the mind of God. It was in the mind of God before he planted it in the woman. And so I'm going to go beyond and say there was life before conception. Amen. So if you look at the, was it the NLT? Let's start again at verse 13. And I will read off the screen. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and you knit me together. Where? In my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. I want everyone right now to lift your voice to God and say thank you you. for making me so wonderfully complex. Amen. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. I want you to say right now about yourself. His workmanship over me is marvelous. How well I know it. I'm not junk. I am not anything that the Satan says I am. I am marvelous and wonderfully made. Amen. God said that about you. He formed you in your mother's womb, and that is what he celebrates. Amen. All right, so let's go to Galatians 4.4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. To what? To redeem those who were under the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. There are people in this place that maybe you were adopted. Maybe you never knew your mother. Maybe you never knew the touch of a mother. But God is going to show you through me in a minute how much he loves you, how he wants to be that side of himself to you if that side in you is missing. And if it's not missing, I'm sure it's not there in its perfection. And God wants to show each and every one of you this morning that I can be mother to you just as I can be father. Amen. Because I love you so much. All of this was his idea. He wanted to create a family. Amen. Amen. And so when it says, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth salvation. Born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Don't worry about that word adoption. People in Jewish times, they adopted their own kids. So when a boy came to the age of 12, he was, before that, he was like a, a servant in the house. He didn't really have all the rights to father's possessions and to the inheritance. But the minute he turned 12 and went through bar mitzvah, then there was an adopting of him into now the legal rights 
of the family and inheritance. So that adoption of sons doesn't mean you were kind of outcast, you know, in a hospital laying around someone else had. No, that means he's adopting. He made us all as children. Now he's adopting you into his family like a son that's ready to take his seat of inheritance. Amen. That's all that means. That doesn't mean like what we see it in American terms. He, they adopted their own children, and God's now adopting his own children. Amen. Amen. Bringing into them that full place of submission, inheritance. You reign as kings in life. So in Isaiah 49, 15, I want you to go there. He honored, remember this, God did not use sex to bring Jesus into the world. He used motherhood. He used motherhood. He trusted Mary with his son. Amen. Isaiah 49, 15. Can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb? Well, normally you wouldn't think that a woman would forget her child, just throw it off to the side. However, in a fallen state, in a fallen nature, I would say, he would say, surely they may forget. Yet I will not forget you. Maybe your mother forgot you. Maybe your mother cast you aside. Maybe your mother in her actions and her unloving ways did not exemplify to you what you think a mother should have done. But I'm saying to you right now, you can take this verse in Isaiah 49, 15, and you can read it and say, surely... My mother may have forgotten me. She may not have had compassion on me, but I'm saying right now that God, you said that like the mother, you would not forget me. Surely they may forget, but God says, I will not forget you. Amen. Say this. God says, I'll not forget. I'll not forget. Amen. So let's go to Luke 13, 34. Jesus said this about Jerusalem. He said, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. This is not the part I want you to focus on, but I'm reading the verse. The one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often, here's your focus. How often, Jesus said, I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, but you were not willing. A funny thing happened last week. Megan and uh, Nikki and I were walking in the neighborhood, and we were walking along, talking, having a great time like this towards the end of the neighborhood, and all of a sudden I heard hissing behind me. Like, and, you know, just out of instinct, I grabbed Megan and I turned around. I grabbed her with my right, I guess, and I turned around and swung my arm around Nikki and I backed up to see what what it was because it startled me. But for whatever reason, Nikki was funny. She said, oh, here comes the mom arm, right? (laughs) So I just grabbed Megan. I swung my arm around Nikki and I backed up but I was protecting them. I spread my wings over my girls, right? And we had to laugh because it was a sprinkler system coming (laughs) off. I don't have a sprinkler system at my house. I don't think we've ever had a sprinkler system that I can remember at my house. We lived in the country, you know, and when the rain came, the rain came. And when it didn't, but we did have rattlesnakes and we had moccasins. So that hissing sound did not bring to me the sound of good like a sprinkler system is in a neighborhood. It brought to me the sound of snake. And so I swung around and just armed them both and pushed them back until I could figure out what it was. I didn't see a snake, and then here comes water in the neighbor's yard, like three blocks down, right? It was weird. I'm like, what in the world? I'm embarrassed, but they were laughing. So the truth is, is that he said, Jesus said, how often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, but you were not willing. Go ahead and show those couple pictures of a hen. Amen. So there's one picture of a hen. There's an, now that's my favorite. I mean, now that's a mama bear hen right there. Every one of them are covered. She's not going to let that hawk get to any of them. And Jesus made a reference about a chicken and a hen to himself. He, not, not like a dad or a father, I'll gun him down. He said, I'm like a hen. I wanted to gather you underneath me as protection 
Amen. I wanted to gather you together to me under my protection like a mother hen does for her chicks. Amen. So let's go to Psalm 91, 1 through 4. We're talking about the mother side of God. There is a mother side of God and he lets it be known and he's not embarrassed. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow. Remember the word shadow. Shall abide under the shadow. I'm going to go ahead and give you a clue. The word shadow there means presence. The word shadow means God's presence. He who dwells in the secret place shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I'll say the Lord, he is my refuge, protection, my fortress, my God, in him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver you. Surely from the hawk, from the snare of the fowler, from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with what? He shall cover you with his feathers. He's made, Jesus really is making a reference back to Psalm 91. He'll cover you with his feathers. Under his wings you shall take refuge. God right now wants to be mama to some of you who have not known a mama. And if you do have a good mama, he wants to be a greater mama to you. And so he's saying to you that he'll cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge. Now let's go to Luke 1. I love Luke 1. I want to show you something about Luke 1. Um, I've got to think about this now. Sarah Taylor. That's what I thought. Can you make sure Taylor's in here in just a few minutes? I, I, I saw her disappear. But God has something. So... Luke, uh, Luke 1, is that where I said? All right, so I'm going to read it. Can you go fast with me, Megs? Now in the sixth month, angel Gabriel was sent by God, city Galilee, named Nazareth, virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, the virgin name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice highly, favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting is this. And what is the first thing angel says to many people first time? Don't be afraid. Why? Because they're freaking us out. They're so big. They're so tall. So so bright. I saw an angel when I was 10 years old. God sent two of them, four of them in my bedroom. And uh, wow, that's another story for another time. But when you really need something and nobody around you can give it to you, God says, I'm stepping in. Yeah. And I'm going to show up, and all I need is this little bit of presence coming in yeah. and making it all right. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. The angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the son of the highest. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And this is great news. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Listen, kingdoms have come. Kingdoms have gone. And there's a kingdom here right now that's wanting to destroy everybody that's not like them or thinks like them. But Jesus said, of my kingdom, there will be no end. No end. It'll go on and on and on. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be? There's a lot of people in this room that we ask that question, how? How can this be? Well, Mary asked to do, so don't feel bad, you're not alone. Since I do not know a man, that just means since I've not been intimate with a man, I'm not married. That's, that's the natural way we create babies in this place. And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Ghost will come upon you. Stop. Where is the Holy Spirit now? He's inside you. He doesn't have to come on you. Leave, go, leave, go, leave, come. He said the Holy Spirit, Mary, will come upon you. And the power of the highest, that's God, will overshadow you. Therefore, also the Holy One is to be born will be called the Son of God. And so we'll go on. Let's go to the next verse. For the word of the Lord God will never fail. And then here's what it says. Keep going. Verse 38. I am the Lord's servant. I missed it. Verse 36. What's more? Nope. Verse 35. Nope. There we go. I must have missed it. Nothing shall be impossible. Where is it? Eagle eyes. 37. For the Lord of God will never fail. Okay. You must be in another translation. <laughs> That's what threw me off. 
So I'm going to read it from mine. Verse 37. With God, nothing will be impossible. With God, nothing will be impossible. Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. When the angel said, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Here's what the Lord spoke to me last night. He said, when the Holy Spirit inside of you is activated, he always brings the power of the Most High's presence with him to make a difference, to make the change, to do whatever is necessary for you at that moment in time. When the Holy Spirit is activated inside of you, he always brings the presence of the Most High with him. With God, all things are possible. Jesus said in Matthew 19, he said, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. This morning, I'm going to tell you a story, blind Bartimaeus Running down the road, son of David, son of David. He was blind. Have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. The people shouting, shut up, shut up, shut up. Stop troubling the master. You're being a pain. He cried the more. Son of David, son of David. He got louder. Have mercy on me. They knew what that word mercy meant. It means heal me. There's healing. What's mercy? He finally got to Jesus and Jesus turned and he had, said he had compassion on him. He said, Bart, what do you want? Not what do you want, but what do you want from me? Who knows? He might have wanted his mother to be healed. He said, what do you want? He says, that I may receive my sight. He said, as you believe, let it be done for you. And so this morning, uh, as I was praying Friday night, you girls came up in my head, in my mind, in my heart. I saw you sitting here this morning, and so I'm going to speak to both of you. The Lord Jesus says to both of you, he's pleased with your heart. Everything is not perfect in your life right now. He says, the stuff that's not perfect, give it to me. I'll take care of the rest. But he says, I am pleased with you as mothers, and I'm pleased with your heart toward me. And he says, you tell them, I love them. And so this morning... He says he loves both of you, and he's proud of both of you. Leave the details to him. The part that you know that needs to be happen here, there, whatever, God knows. Leave it to him. He'll work it out. Amen. Amen. But he said, you tell those twins, I'm pleased with their heart. Amen. Amen. God loves people. He loves people. God wants you to know that you are his highest and his best. Amen? You are his highest and his best. God loves you so much. And so as you're sitting out here in this crowd today, you may have said to God, dare I believe him for this? The answer is a resounding yes. With man, this is impossible. But with God, All things are possible. You don't have to know how. You don't have to know where. You don't have to know when. But if you have said in your heart, dare I believe him for this, his answer to you is yes. Believe me for that. Because he is the performer. You are not the performer. You are the believer. He said to the man in Mark 9 who had the epileptic child, kept throwing himself in the fire. Come on, moms and dads. That's horrible. If my son, that's all he did was throw himself and to get hurt and the water and the fireman, man, you are chained to that. Yeah. It's awful. Sickness is a chain. He breaks every chain. He breaks every stronghold. Just speak the name of Jesus over your situation. If you don't know what to do right now, say Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord over my body, over my heart, over my mind. And that shadow... He said he would overshadow her, that when the Holy Spirit came upon her, the power of the Most High God, which is God the Father, amen, he said it's going to overshadow her. 
And, and there'll be a son that will be conceived, and his name will Jesus, and he'll be the savior of the world. What, what does that mean? If something overshadows you, it casts the full shadow on you. Yep. Right. It's so big, it's so omnipotent, it's so, it's so overcovering that you can't get away from it. When that sun goes down on the east coast behind the big hotel building, right? And you're in the pool, <laughs> that building cools up the pool right there. There's no more sun. You might as well go in. <laughs> Amen? But God is much more than that. He said he's going to overshadow you, and he's going to come all over you. There'll be such a great shadow and presence on you that when you activate the Holy Spirit in your life, that means when you revere him, when you, when you acknowledge him, say, Holy Spirit, what do you think about this? And you obey him. Then God comes on the scene. When you pray in the Holy Ghost, you're activating the Holy Ghost. You're activating, and he says, when you activate me, God, omnipotent God's holy presence always comes. That's what I bring with me. But as he lies dormant in your heart, you do nothing with him. You don't get to experience that power. But as you revere him, as you talk to him, as you fellowship with him, and as you pray in the language that he gave you to have fellowship with him, to pray those perfect prayers that he wants to pray for you, He's activating the power and the presence of God. It overshadows you. And it heals every hurt. It heals every heart. Amen? And so this morning I'm looking at you going, dare, dare I believe? Yes. The answer is yes. Did your mother maybe forget you? Maybe. But God says, I'll never forget you. I'll never forget you. Amen. So let's talk about amen. Thank you, Brother Don. Romans 16, 13. Let's talk about those. Let's, let's, let me, let's go to 2 Timothy 1.5 first, Megan. 2 Timothy 1.5 in the NKJV. When, this is Paul talking to Timothy. Timothy was a pastor. Timothy was a pastor. He was a great pastor. And this is what Paul said to him. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, when I call to remembrance that faith that I saw that is in you, it dwelt first where? in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. He didn't say nothing about his father just because maybe he didn't see it in his father and maybe he didn't have a father. Who knows? But he did say that genuine faith that's in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. That's what took him to the top is they put that faith in him. Let me tell you something, mothers. Being a mother is the highest calling. Not making mother, not making mother, not making money, not having a career. Being a mother and raising and shaping a human life to love God is the greatest calling. To love God, to put into your children, to read to them the holy word, to pray with them. That is your highest calling. You are shaping a human life. You are influencing a life to love Jesus. My boys didn't always want to pray at Bible time, at bedtime. (laughs) They wanted to do other things. They wanted to play their video games a little longer. But I always cut out some time to go, okay, the TV's off, the video games are off, we're all gathering around. Sometimes dad was with us, sometimes he wasn't able to be with us. And I said, let's open up our Bible, let's pray. I can remember the beauty of the moment when when I got them all filled with the Holy Ghost and they were three years old. Two and three years old. Did they know what was happening? I don't know exactly in their mental capacity, but the Holy Spirit filled them and they all were talking in tongues. I don't even know if today they can remember the date that they were saved or talking in tongues, but I know that at two and three years old, I had them talking in tongues and confessing Jesus as Lord and asking Jesus into their heart. Now, when they get to a certain age after that, they always make a decision that now now this is an age of accountability. But what an honor for me to shape or to do my best. I'm sure I failed at times. Yes, I did. But I did my best to shape their human lives so they could live them to the glory of God. Amen. Don't ever look down on what God holds up. Don't ever let your friend or your family get onto you for not having, you know, for not having a career. I told my husband before we got married, before he proposed to me, I told him, I said, look, I know you probably agree with me 
and I worked a full-time job, he worked a full-time job, I said, look, when I get pregnant, I'm out. I personally do not want to have a daycare worker raising my child six hours a day. I want that time. I want that time. I want to shape that human's life. I don't want them to have more time with them than they have with me. That was just me. That's something God put in my heart. And, and yes, we didn't have a lot of money. And yes, we didn't have maybe what two people bringing money in could have had. But what, what good is a big house and boats and all the wealth when dad's never home and mom's never home? And the kids raise themselves or someone else gets to raise them. If I made a decision to have kids or if I had a kid with, before I made that decision, I, in my heart, I want to be the influencer in their lives. Amen. So to all you mothers out there, I know that not all of you have been able to do that. You've had to work. You've had to be mom and daddy. There is no judgment. There is no condemnation. God said, I will be your husband. I'll be your husband to you. I will be a father to your child. And a he said, I'll take care of it. So you let God, let God teach you how you need to do what you need to do in your given situation. But if you are able to raise your own child, by all means, take advantage of that. The great commission of a mom's most awesome calling, we're on the front lines. We are the one helping that child decide whether he's going to live for God, go to heaven, or go to hell. We're that one. Yes, dads have a big part in that. But today we're talking about mothers. Mothers mostly are more at home longer with the kids than dads are. Dads are out there beating it. They're making the money so mama can stay home and influence that child. They are a great blessing, and you're going to hear all about that on Father's Day. But today's Mother's Day. So, you know, here's the deal. My mom, she wasn't the perfect mom. She had her issues. My mom and dad had their issues and their problems. But every morning, she was yanking us up out of bed at 6.30 yep. in the morning. Yep. Here's your prune juice and your vitamins. And you're coming in. We're going to have devotions out of the book of Proverbs, 30 minutes. We're going to sing at 6.30 in the morning. We're singing. We're drinking prune juice, taking our vitamins. I mean, what the heck about prune juice? I, I don't know. So the deal, the deal is, I mean, I do know. Now I know. But the truth, the truth is, is that I didn't want to wake up and drink prune juice and sit and sing at 6.30 in the morning. But my mother, not my dad, my mother was getting us out of bed and going, come on in the living room before you go to school. We're going to pray. We're going to sing. And we're going to read the word. We're going to start the day off right. I yeah. never forgot that. Yeah. I never, ever forgot that. And when I was old enough and I was 13 years of age, I decided one day, I think I'm just going to read the book of Proverbs because there's 31 chapters and I'm going to start at the beginning of the month. And that book changed my life as a young person. It, one book, it changed my life. But that was modeled by my mother. My father, I love my father. I probably was closer to my father in a certain way. Spiritually, not so much more closer to my mother, but we were different very different in personality, but my personality was more like my father. And so my father, and I love him, he's in heaven, and, and he don't mind if I'm talking about him, but you know, one year he came to my mother and he said, I want to move back in the country and I want to go back to North Florida and I'd like to get a farm and a ranch and, and go back to where I was raised. And she said, well, Bill, is there a good church there? He said, I don't know. She said, well, until you can find out, we're not going anywhere. <laughs> so I was like, rats, I want to live on a farm and a ranch and have horses and cows. You know, I was a kid. You know, I was nine years old. I wanted to be in the country with my dad, you know, and do all that fun stuff. I hated the city. I hated all of that. So it was very much like my dad. But when my mother stood up and said, if I don't have a good church, I'm not going. I'm, I'm not leaving this place. And because of her saying that to my father, and he's like, yeah, I don't think it has a good church. So we never, we never moved. And so, but that very year, that very year was a deciding year in my mother getting delivered from demons. And the church that was there that we went to helped her get delivered from demons. It is to a year later is the, is the church and the, uh, the group of people that I got filled with the Holy Ghost and that I learned my authority in Christ as an 11-year-old child. 
I would have never found that out in Brantford with no church. And so for that, I'm going to laud her on that. I know that women are supposed to submit to their husbands, but there are times we forget to read the verse, submit ye one to another as to the Lord. As to the Lord. So if daddy's wanting to drag them off somewhere where they can't get God, then mama may need to stand up. Amen? So I, I wanted to say that to you, that if you, maybe you haven't always lived as a perfect mother, which you haven't, Proverbs 31, that is a fearsome woman to behold, actually. But you know what? I'm going to read some parts of that. Uh, Proverbs 14.1, before we go there, Proverbs 14.1 says that a wise woman encourages and builds up her family. That's what a wise woman does. Now, Paul, even Paul said this. He said in Romans 16, 13, he said to Rufus, his friend, he said, go ahead and greet your mother who's been like a mother to me too. We don't hear about Paul's mother. We don't know who she was or where she was. But he said, greet Rufus, who's chosen in the Lord, and greet his mother. Another translation said, greet his dear mother, who's been a mother to me. You may have someone that's been a mother to you, that's said things to you, that's helped you grow in the Lord, that's just helped you grow in the natural. And even Paul said, you greet her also. In other words, say happy Mother's Day to her too because she was like a mother to me. Why was she like a mother to me? I'm going to give you my rendition of why she was like a mother to him, because Rufus and Alexander were the sons of Simon the Cyrene. Simon the Cyrene is the one that carried the cross of Jesus, the last piece of that road to Golgotha. Jesus had no more strength. He was so beaten, bloody, and they, they took the cross and they put it on Simon's back. And Simon's sons were Rufus and Alexander. And I can only imagine that that mother, that that husband came home to her and told her what the last few minutes of being with our Lord while he was alive on this earth was like as he carried his cross. And he relayed that story to his wife. And his wife passed that story down to her two sons. And her two sons, Rufus, one of them, passed the story down through his mother, and his mother ministered to Paul. Why? Because Paul loved his Lord. And I'm sure he had her tell him the story many times. What were the last few moments of his life like as your husband told the story? And so there may be someone in your life who's like a mother to you. And so I'm, I, I, I did yeah. this in the first service. I'm not going to do this in the second because there's too many people but I had them all take their cell phones out, send a text right now to that person. You don't have to do it now, but when you leave, send a text to that person who's been like a mother to you. If someone has done good for you in your life like that, send something and say, I appreciate you so much. You don't have to write them a book. You don't have to write them a long letter, but send them something and say, I appreciate you for that. Amen. Let's go to um, Psalm 127.3 says, that the fruit of the womb is God's reward. And NLT, or the, the, I'm sorry, the TPT, the Passion Translation says, his, it's his love gift to you. It's heaven's generous reward. I remember Tracy sitting in my office, trying, trying, trying to have a baby. I didn't know she was as old as she was. I thought she was 10 years younger than she told me she was. I, I was shocked. And I'm not going to tell you what her age is. <laughs> We don't do that as women. But she needed to have a baby. It's time. It's way past time. And I remember us talking to one another, and I told her what she needed to do. I told her, set the table at home. Get the high chair in there. Every night, you set the table yeah. for that baby. Yeah. Whatever things you desire. With man, whatever the doctor told, da-da-da-da-da. With man, it might be impossible. But with God, all things God. are possible. Yeah. I don't care what the doctor said. I don't care what your body said. With man, it's impossible. We get that. But we're not going to stay there. Don't stay there with the way it looks and the way things appear. 
There is a natural order that things, but God supersedes that natural. When his spirit overshadows you, he brings the presence of God with him to make that change. And so I told her what to do, and here she is getting ready to have a baby in this month, Mother's Day month. Amen. So I told her the fruit of the womb is his reward. It's his love gift to you. It's heaven's generous reward. It's a reward God wants to give to every woman. He loves what he created so much. He says, this is a gift. This is my most generous reward to a woman is to have her conceive and have a baby that's made in the image of God. The most generous reward. Not a million dollars. Not your Bitcoin going up. Or your Ethereum. Or your Dogie coin, or whatever you got stocks in. <laughs> right? It's not what Elon Musk says. It's not this, that, and the other. The greatest reward given to a woman is to is children. And he puts them in your care for 18 years. And so maybe you're here today as I close out. Maybe you're here today and you say to me, I wasn't born again when I had children, when they were young. I didn't raise them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. I didn't do all this. I'm to be shamed. You are not to be shamed. Because there's no time like the present to start and do what Jesus said to do. Proverbs 31, I'm going to read a couple verses. Are you ready? Proverbs 31, and I'm going to teach you how to pray. I'm going to teach you how to be a virtuous woman right now, right here. Don't worry about yesteryear. Amen? Amen. Proverbs 31. I'm going to read a piece of it. Verse 25. Strength and honor are her clothing. Strength and honor are her clothing. Actually, God clothes her in that. She shall rejoice in time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom. On her tongue is the law of kindness. I didn't open my mouth with wisdom. I didn't have kindness on my tongue all the time. You can start right now. That's right. Amen. That's right. You can open your mouth with wisdom now. Yes. You can have the law of kindness on your tongue now. Yes. No time like the present. Thank you, Lord. Just because you're 60, 50, 40, 80 doesn't mean you're not a woman or a mother anymore yes. and that your time is over. Right now, you can open your mouth with wisdom, and on your tongue can be the law of kindness to your children. Amen. Amen. All right. Then it says, she watches over the ways of her household. She does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. But I didn't watch over the ways of my household as good as I should have. My children didn't rise up and call me blessed, but they can call you now. It says, a woman that fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Start right now fearing the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, it's the beginning of praise, it's the beginning of everything wonderful in your life. And so how do I watch over the ways of my household now? They're gone, they're 40, they're 50. They're done, they don't see me anymore, they're mad at me, whatever, they don't believe like me. You, you can watch well over the ways of your household now. Rosa told a story the other night about her son going through a very horrible time, overdosing on drugs. I don't know which son. She has a few. I don't even know his name. It doesn't matter. But she knew what was happening. She was there at the right place at the right time, and she pled the blood of Jesus over him. He wasn't doing everything right. I get that. But she's like, I got a covenant with God. She laid her hand, and I plead the blood of Jesus over you. You're coming back to life. And the paramedic said, I don't know what you said or what you did, but um, this kid should be dead. She said, it don't matter. I got a covenant with my God. She was watching well over the ways of her household. And so, and so how do you do that? You do it through prayer. When Moses' mother built that little basket, she didn't just put him in it and put it in the river. There was one last thing she had to do. She had to put pitch all around it. She had to fill in the holes. She had to fill in the gaps. When Noah built the ark, all the wood, all the stuff, all the way God told them to do it. The last thing they did was put pitch and cover in the holes. Your pitch is your prayers. Pitch your basket, pitch your boat, pitch the ark. Put that pitch, cover your children in prayer. Cover them in the blood of Jesus. When my husband and I built the log cabin in Paisley, we, 
We'd never built a log cabin before. A lot of things went wrong, but whatever didn't get done, uh, we didn't have any chinking to put in between the logs or the person, caulk or caulk, to put in the, the, the guy building didn't do it. He didn't do his job and we, we didn't really know it. So here comes Faye and Faye stuck around for four or five days and Faye's winds were totally horizontal and in comes the rain poured through all of the cracks and crevices of our logs because our logs are like this. They're not like this, they're like this. So here's all the gaps, no, no caulk. Here comes a rain. I just redone the interior walls because of something else that happened. Here comes a rain. I just watched it pour in our bedroom and I wept. And I will tell you that night I wanted to blow up our house <laughs> and collect insurance on it. <laughs> but I knew that was wrong. I knew that was wrong. But sometimes you get so desperate. You get so desperate. You're like, I just want this to be over. This is horrible. But then after Faye was gone and that rain came in every day, every day, every day, whatever direction, it was, no, it was our bedroom, it poured in, filled up, whatever. But when it was over, Pastor went out and he personally caulked every crook and cranny of that house. And the storm never affected it again. That's what your prayers are going to do. It's going to pitch the cracks. It's going to pitch the cracks that you left. It's going to pitch the cracks and the open holes. Your prayers can do that now. You can be kind now. You can have wisdom on your tongue now. You can plead the blood of Jesus, apply the blood of Jesus over your children, over their lives. Get the scriptures out that promise you what God said. Go to Jeremiah 31. Verse 15, I've already forgotten the verse. It is, yep, 31, 15. Thus says the Lord, a voice was heard in Ramah. This is when the Pharaoh sent out the decree to kill all the baby boys that were two years and younger. This is in Moses' time. Moses was saved. He was floating around the Nile River of all with crocodiles, but he had pitch around his basket. Amen. Thus says the Lord, a voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping. Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted for her children because they are no more. Thus says the Lord, not just to them, but to you. Refrain your voice from weeping over your children. Refrain your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears. For your work shall be rewarded, says the Lord. And they shall come back from the land of the enemy. They shall come back from the land of the enemy. He said, dry up your tears now. No more weeping. There is hope in your future, says the Lord, that your children shall come back to their own border. Let me tell you something about Deuteronomy 28, one of the curses of Deuteronomy 28, which you have been redeemed from because Galatians 3.13 says you have been redeemed from the curse of the law. If you don't know what curses they are, you might want to go back and read the curses so you know what you've been redeemed from. But one of the, redeem, one of the curses in the book of uh, Deuteronomy chapter 28, it says that your children will be taken from you and given to another people. Another nation, another tongue, to the land of the enemy, that's a curse. Well, reverse the curse. What's the reverse? That means now they're coming back to their own order. Yes. There is hope in your future, says the Lord. Your children shall come back to their own border. Maybe you didn't always say it right. Maybe you didn't always do it right. But you can start right now and get on your knees and you can pitch the boat. You can pitch the ark. You can pitch the basket. And you can bring those children back into their own border because God said, don't weep anymore. Amen. I'm going to bring them back. You do your part. You surround them in prayer. You surround them in prayer. Amen. So I'm going to lead all of you in a prayer. And then Justin's going to close. I thank God for my children. Justin's amazing. He's not perfect, but he's amazing. He has a heart of gold. He has a heart of gold. He has such a tender heart that he wants to help everybody and everything that moves and crawls. <laughs> and that's a wonderful quality about him. Joshua, he has a mind that's amazing. He can put together a broken car that's ready for the graveyard and in four hours have it all put back together and drive off the lot. He's so mechanical. 
God has given him such a gift. He's amazing son. Jordan's amazing. He's funny and he loves God and he always makes me laugh. And we always laugh about the same things. I love Jordan. I love them all. God has given them to me as a gift and I don't take that lightly. Che and Ashley are amazing daughters. They're so different. They're like night and day, like the color of their hair. <laughs> they're a lot alike, but they're very much like night and day and very much in personality to the way I see them. But they are wonderful, wonderful daughters. And, and I've been blessed to be around Che more of my life than Ashley. So in some ways, I could say I feel closer to Che. But I got to spend time with Ashley a couple years ago in Colorado. We went to a mountain prayer resort. And um, I got to learn things about Ashley that I never knew. And we got to hang out as mother and daughter. When Che and I are together, nobody questions us. They, they, they either call us sisters or mom and daughter. You know, when, when, not in this church necessarily, but when we're out, like, they just don't question it because we have blonde hair, blue eyes, and, and we could be easily. But with Ashley, she's dark-headed, dark-eyed, and I spent a whole week with her, and a, and a kind of a close pastor friend of mine at the end of the week walked up to me and said, I'm so sorry, I never knew she was your daughter. I'm like, well, join the club. <laughs> a lot of people think that, because we don't look anything alike. I didn't say, oh, she's my stepdaughter. What good does that do? And Ashley, actually, at the beginning of the trip, said the sweetest thing to me, that she could ever say. First time I ever heard it, she said, Lisa, I don't have to be stepdaughter. I'm gonna call you mom here. And you don't, or me, either one of us have to explain that I'm stepmom or your stepdaughter. She says, we're mom and daughter the whole time we're here and I don't care what anybody thinks or says. She says, you're a mom to me. And I hope I'm a daughter to you. And so that was one of the most beautiful things that Ashley's ever said to me. And so let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you so much that you, you wanted to show every heart in this place how much you love them. How big your heart is to them. That you said in Isaiah 49, your mama may have forgotten you. She may have forgotten how or, or, or what it's like to be a mother. She may have forgotten to touch you. She may have forgotten to hug you. She may have forgotten to be a good mama to you. But the Lord God said, but I haven't forgotten. I am El Shaddai. I am the all-sufficient one, the all-supplying one. And as a mama was built to nurse her baby for a year, supplying everything he or she needs, that is how I am to you. I am the all-sufficient one. I am the all-supplying one. Whatever it is that you need, whatever it is that you've got to hear from me, I am here to give that to you. Jesus said, with man it's impossible, but with God all things are possible. Now say with me, say, Heavenly Father, I thank you. I saw this morning, and I see this morning that you have a mother's side to you. You want to spread your wings over me. You want to gather me unto yourself. You want to protect me. You want to be my refuge. You want to be my fortress. You want to always have me under your wings. You want to overshadow me with your presence, and I respect you, and I love you. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in my house. My body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, and I revere that. Thank you, God, for loving me. Thank you for lifting up motherhood. Thank you for thinking so highly, even to the point of sending salvation through the womb of a woman. I bless you today. Amen. Go ahead, Justin. Or I'm going to take a minute and tell it. you a story. I think you'd enjoy it. Before Lisa and I got married, we sat back and talked about how we would run our home. And I think that's very important to do that. We, did, we went over four very, very important things. Number one, church, money, raising children, and sex. 
And we went over those and talked in detail. But here's the story I want to tell you. We both decided we wanted boys. So we got together and said, we're going to agree we're going to have boys. So when Lisa was pregnant with Joshua, um, Lisa's mother came to me and wanted to kind of shield me in case my prayer didn't get answered. And she said, Daryl, what are you going to do if it's a girl? I said, Martha, I'm sending it back. And she, if you know Martha, oh my. Because Martha didn't joke. And I was serious. So Joshua was born on April 1st. You have to get this part of the story. So the day Joshua was born, Martha calls me. She goes, Daryl, what is it? I said, Martha, it's a girl. And she goes, oh my. And I let her hang for a little while. Finally, I called her back and I go, Martha, it's April 1st. It's a boy. I told you it was a boy nine months ago. But anyway, I wanted to say that because Lisa and I did something. And, and, I, and she's, you know, the moment she got pregnant, she became mom. It's amazing how fast a girl can become a woman. And become a great mom. All she got to do is have kids. Amen. And um, anyway, we talked about marriage. We talked about what we expected. That diverts an enormous amount of problems. Everything that she wanted, everything I wanted, and we got together and made a concession before we walked the aisle. And I thought y'all would like to know that. So the idea of us not, her not working, we had a great home. The boys grew up in a great home. There was joy. There was peace. There was love. We weren't broke, but we did sell the ski boat when Josh was born. So there was a few things. We made adjustments. And the boys had their Shetland pony and their swimming pool and their go-karts. and their. But, you know, um, the boys had a great life. And then once they got gone, we celebrated and went out and bought a jet ski and a fishing boat and... <laughs> Praise the Lord. Remember on Mother's Day today that you can always respect with words, but you must honor with substance. And the Bible says, honor thy father and thy mother. Once you get over 18, you don't have to do everything that they say because you're a man and a woman at that point, but God still says you need to honor them. And honor will always cost you something of value. It's not just always a card. So I always encourage people, and I always remember mom and dad on Mother's Day and Father's Day to do something of value uh, for them. And so uh, if you're also, if you're here, I want to have my altar workers please stand up. If you want prayer for anything Pastor Lisa talked about today, anything that maybe you say, you know what, there was something she said in the sermon that I, I just need some more prayer on. We have somebody here that's going to agree with you, get an agreement on maybe prayer for your family prayer for your kids. The Bible says where two or three are gathered, ask it in my name. And the last thing is, is the best thing is if you don't know Jesus, the best thing is to have Jesus in your heart. Know where you're going before you die because Jesus is coming very soon. Jesse Duplantis, I've been watching his story on heaven. I'm going to talk a little bit Wednesday night, not totally on heaven, but he said that Jesus personally looked at him and said, I'm coming soon. Tell the people it'll be sooner than they think. And that was 20 years ago. It was in 1988. And he, when Jesse Duplantis personally went to heaven, and he said, Jesus says, I'm coming very soon. Tell the people to get ready because they don't know that I'm coming. And so you have to make Jesus Lord. It's not just you believe, but you confess with your mouth. You believe in your heart that Jesus died and rose again. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big give now button or you can text 407-955-5345 and remember our pastor's vision is this we grow christians 
So we thank you for listening and we'll see you next time. Bye.